think it, it, it says something because it's just not some made-up picture. That's Mitch Simonis. <laughs> Is that, am I right? It's Mitch and Leah Simonis worshiping. You know, so, someone in this body uh, drew a similar picture of, of Tammy and I dancing and worshiping. And I look at that every morning as I, as I rise up, as I exit my bedroom, as I start my day. And I am so thankful for the creativity of Jesus that rests in us. Come on. And is flourishing. I speak that over us, that the, the Spirit of God who is creative flourishes. I know that they, we started the year with blank walls, but even look right there. Have you taken a moment to stop and look into those pictures and say, Jesus, what are you speaking? What are you speaking to me? Come on. Come on. Maybe the Lord's telling you that you've got to get a little bit more expressive. You don't have to dance around like me or stand on chairs or scream. It's a different form of screaming right there, right? Right? Amen. Also, I just want y'all to notice, Janelle is not just, she didn't come in and decorate this beautiful highlighted piece of equipment, but this is from your generosity right here. Turn to your neighbor and give them a hand. Come on. It's no small hunk of change. I think that's worth more than my car. But that might not be saying a whole lot, but that, nonetheless, uh, we just want to say as elders, thanks for partnering with us. Thanks for, for um, helping present us for worship. Every part counts. And this group, as much as I appreciate them, they couldn't do that without us. And so turn to your neighbor and say, gosh, you're a good worshiper. Thanks for worshiping today. Amen? Amen. So this is great. Mitch and Leah look phenomenal. They're going to encourage us to be worshipers. If you don't turn it around, you're missing half the show. Okay? So, so make sure you get that. I see Swifty's got some extra teaching notes. If you need those, I need you to raise your hand. Uh, lastly, this is Super Bowl Sunday. You guys are cheering as loud as I am. When Liam plays in the Super Bowl, you'll see me like doing backflips. Backflips. Until then, I don't have any relationship with those people, so it doesn't mean as much to me. I hate to disappoint you in that, but one day... One day, Drew might precede him, but one day, and that's no pressure. That's what the Lord wants for you, but I didn't like football until Liam started playing it. <laughs> Someone asked me who my favorite team was. I said, Liam's, you know, right? Because it is about, about relationship. Last week, you heard a lot. Didn't you just appreciate Daniel and those deacons that shared the word with us last Sunday? How many of you were encouraged last Sunday? I was encouraged. Yes. I was just encouraged because it was, you know, just more of the body of Christ kind of giving me a little tap with the foot, right, about relationship. Seven, seven, seven. Relationship with the Lord, seven weeks. Seven weeks relationship within the body so that we're prepared and equipped and empowered to reach out, right, in that last seven weeks. And I'm so excited about that. You might say, well, I'm going to be out of town. You know what? They're putting it online. You can get it online this week. You might say, well, I have a little one that I've got to put in bed. That's all right. You can watch it online. You might say, well, I've got a little one that I need to bring with me because I need a break. And that's okay. I understand. I have teenagers. That's why I came. So uh, I needed to find the presence of God. And so there is something for every age. There's people taking care of the littlest ones. There's an elementary program that kind of, they come back and integrate with us. There's a youth program that's going on at the same time and, and comes back in with us adults. And it was a phenomenal time this week. We're even going to let you fast on Wednesday. You can fast with us. You get to, Amen. hey, you know what? Why don't you all fast with us on Wednesday? You want to fast with us Wednesday? 
You, you know, we fast so we can empower, uh, get breakthrough. Now, I didn't tell you how to leave alone your cell phone. That may have been for someone else. I didn't tell you that you had to give up everything you were eating. That might be for someone else. Because you know the best part about a fast? You get to talk to the Lord about, what am I going to give up to spend time with you? Right? That's all we're asking you to do on Wednesday. Just take a break from something that maybe you've made higher than him. Maybe. Sometimes food is higher. Someone said to me, I'm fasting between meals. I, I guarantee you the Lord's speaking to you. He's not asking you to fast the between the meal. He's asking you to do something. To connect with him, to hear, and to hear more clearly. So I want to make sure that you know that all those options are available on Wednesday. I kind of joke, I skipped past the Super Bowl Sunday. I don't want to skip this. We're collecting um, food for the food bank. You've been very generous to the food bank. This is the first Sunday of the month. Maybe you said, gosh, I forgot, and I want to give uh, an over and the above. If you put in the offering today and you write on the memo line, food bank, 100% of what you give will go into the food bank, and Deborah will find a way to access food <laughs> with those funds, no doubt. Deborah likes to shop. So, but some of you are bringing food. You can bring food all through next week. Remember, if you've got a young person with you, Maybe young at heart, when you drop it in the box, you can crunch the, pop the bubbles and celebrate as you do it, right? So to make sure you know that. I also see, um, as we're getting ready to show a video, I see um, Rachel smiling at me. The joy of the Lord. Thank goodness for Rachel. Sundays, it just gets so, the humdrum of the day. But Rachel's always smiling. You know what? Because she's a funny person. <laughs> the joy of the Lord rests in her. And what I appreciate is, that she doesn't contain it. She doesn't see herself as a shut container. She wants to share that. She and Tony have said, hey, let's put on a comedy show. Because the body's funny. Sometimes they don't know how to show it. But they're funny and she's tapping into the joy that's in you. But she can't read your mind. That's not her gift. Thank goodness. And so um, she does more than make sure that your offering records are right and that the communication is right. I know we all appreciate that. But if you're funny and you want to share... She needs to know about it because she's not, she needs your, she need, she doesn't want to perform. Um, but when we don't want her to because she gets to share her joy every day and making the joy come out of us. So all that's long-windedness for saying if you've got a comedy, if you've got a gift, if you've got a way of pulling the joy out, if there's a little bit of Jen Cesario in you. It's Jen's birthday today if you didn't know. So. Jeff Hugger, don't hit her. So make sure you say happy birthday to Jen today. But Jen's another one that brings us joy. But you need to sign up with Rachel. Rachel, could you just jump up more than stand up? Could you stand? Thank you. Oh, there she went. So I want to make sure that you, you check in with Rachel. You can even call her. You'll hear her delightful voice on the phone, 10 to 1, Monday through Thursday. Send her an email, but communicate. Communicate. Jeff, are you ready there? Can we hit the lights? We're going to start with a quick 30 minute video. Lord, we thank you for this 30 second. Well, sometimes seconds feel like minutes when I'm talking. So I'm just so proud of y'all for listening. That just encourages me. Lord, thanks for this day. We've come to hear your voice. We've come to see your face. We've come to be transformed by your word. Lord, I thank you that our ears hear what you're speaking and nothing else. Lord, I thank you that we receive in our hearts what you have for us and nothing else. And, Lord, that we walk out of here filled up, empowered, equipped, ready for the things that you have for us. Not just this week, not just this day, but for this lifetime. For this lifetime. Amen?
Well, it's good. If you ever get a chance to see it, yeah, I've never seen it. <laughs> what happens and how it starts off in this is when uh, Wesley, you know, the Dread Pirate Roberts, um, comes, catches himself in the pit of despair. And, uh, and I just thought this was a really cool, cool way to start off this morning, talking about, if you notice, on the top of your notes. And in fact, if you don't have a handout, if you would raise your hand. Swifty's in the back, and he'll be glad to hand that out. Turn it off. Yeah, all for a cool video. I love that movie anyway. That's one of my all-time favorite movies, <laughs> Princess Bride. But anyway, uh, depression. The word uh, God had given me to share this morning is comfort of God overcomes the pit of depression. I don't know how many of you knew this, but I, all of you knew probably I was been on a sabbatical uh, from September to the last of December. And I don't know if you really knew why I was in a, on a sabbatical. But last, uh, last, I guess it was last June, I was down in Big Stone Gap on a Wednesday dealing with some of the situations and circumstances were going on down in Big Stone, some things that were not cool. And uh, I'd spent the night with Tim and Julie Stanley, and I was, you know, spent the night, and I got up early in the morning, and I was laying in bed studying and praying. And all of a sudden, I got a text message from Qu Craig Westoff about um, Joseph over in Beirut, Lebanon, asking if he could come over and stay with Paul and I. Well, when, he, when I got that text, I blanked out. And that's the only way I know how to describe it is I checked out. I couldn't respond to the text. And it only lasted a few, uh, probably probably five or ten seconds. But just enough that all of a sudden I go, what in the world just happened to me? Because I couldn't respond to Craig's text. And so I started praying about it, and I heard the Lord just speak really loud. He said, Rick, you're in depression. And then I heard him speak about, speak to me a passage of Scripture in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 and 29, for it says, You who are weary and heavy laden, I'll give you rest. And I just, when he spoke that to me, I just started to weep and I started to cry. And so I started, I started to say to myself, you know, okay, uh, I know what I need to do. I, you know, I've ministered a lot of people who have been dealing with depression. I've been in my own life. You know, I, you know, I know what I need to do. And all of a sudden I heard the Lord say, no, you're not. No, you're not. You're not going to try to fix yourself this time. You're going to humble yourself. I mean, that's really what I heard. And he said, you're going to call. And this is really the Lord just sort of gave me these steps. He said, you're going to give, you're going to call Paula, you're going to call Tulio, and you're going to just share it with the elders. And uh, so I, I did. I called Paula, and I called Tulio, and then I talked to Burby. And, and, uh, and so I was driving back from Big Stone, and I really needed windshield wipers on my glasses because here I am just crying, just riding down the road. It's a, it's, a, it's a miracle of God that I didn't have a wreck because I was just crying so intensely. And just really the cool thing, the Lord just ministered to my heart to saying, you who are weary and heavy laden, I'll give you rest. So anyway, I came in to the elders meeting a few days after that, and I shared with them what God had just said, you know, said to me. And so it need to take some time off. Well, and Paula got in on it. And so said, well, you need to take a week off. You know, it's just a really time that really can't take off very much. Take a week. And 
So I spent the week doing tax returns. I had six of them to do. And I did. I did. I had six returns. And I tell you, I felt good to get those tax returns done. I have to tell you that. You know, you can only do so many extensions, you know. They start to really weigh heavy on your soul. And so I did. I got the tax returns done. And I wish I could say to you that I fixed it all, but it wasn't. It wasn't the tax returns. That wasn't the problem. So anyway, I just limped along here with you. You know, preaching and, and ministering and just uh, but hurting down inside. And, uh, and so finally, I guess it was in the 1st of September, I guess it was, or last of September. We had an elders meeting. We had a, a staff elders meeting right after it. And, and literally what happened in those meetings was just my inability to deal with anything that was really out of the norm. And as a result, you hurt people that you love. And so I just, literally what happened is I just, I walked out of that staff elder meeting and said, you guys, I can't handle it anymore. Um, I'm out of here. I've got to take a sabbatical. Uh, all I'm doing is hurting people I love. And, uh, and you know, the thought of me hurting people that I love just is like off the charts. And so I, I left. And so, of course, the guys and the, and the ladies just being, you know, the brothers are also there just trying to cover, you know, for everything that I had responsibilities for. And, and so y'all hadn't seen me around here for the last four months. In fact, I did zero ministry. First time in 38 years that I had done zero ministry. Even when I was in the grocery business, I was still doing ministry on the side. But for, for since September, whatever that date was, you know, it's just been no ministry at all. Now, I've been doing business, quite, quite a bit of it, but, but still, just that place that where you don't have to draw out of yourself in the spirit. And so, you know, all of a sudden, you know, you know how that comes along and you, you start saying, well, dude, I'm a failure, man. Who can be trusted? I mean, it's depressing. And I started doing research on it, you know. And, and so, you know, go to the next slide, the first slide here. You know, what's well, depression? Well, it's a psychoneurotic. That's serious. Sounds serious, but really that's not the worst term. The other one's a bad one. Psychotic condition marked especially by sadness, inactivity, difficulty in thinking, concentration, a significant increase or decrease of appetite. Uh, you probably could guess which one's mine. And time spent sleeping, feelings of dejection—sorry, dejection—and hopelessness. Sorry, <laughs> thoughts of Carolee donuts. <laughs> so, uh, but anyway, you know that's what Webster's definition. In fact, that's probably the best definition I found. You know, I looked at a whole bunch of different ones, and and that was it. You know, how many? How many, I didn't sedate out, but what I would do is I would check out. I could check out really good. How many, how many episodes of NCIS can you watch? How many games of Spider Solitaire can you play? Those were my drug of choice. But literally, what it was, Paula, just the people that are around me just had, there was these walls that I had built up. Paula goes, I don't know where you're at, but can you come back? You know, because I wasn't there. You know, I could function, but just 
But praise God, you know, in that time, God did a lot of really cool stuff in my life. And so me sharing this morning is part of that process of saying, okay, humbling myself. You know, because, uh, you know, just, you know me, I'm just going to try to be real. But also at the same time, I believe that we have a God who does not uh, desire us to stay in those places. And so I was, you know, was feeling like a failure and going, okay, where's the sense in the Word of God? And so I started noticing the Word of God, you know, scriptural people who were in depression. And I saw Jesus. Well, that's a pretty good one. When he said, and he's right, right at the cross. I mean, in the garden. And that's at this time that when he's taken on everything that we ever experienced. And that's what he said. He, he took with him Peter and two sons of Zebedee, and he began to be grieved and distressed. And those Greek words there have, have meanings and characteristics of depression. Because depression can be moments, it can be days, it can be weeks, and for some people it can be months and it can be years. Whatever it may be. There's going to be people who are going to be depressed tonight after the football game. <laughs> hey, you will. You watch it. You know it's true. Because they're a team. They'll feel, Whoa. what is that? Well, it goes on, and you know, Jesus, he's deeply, my soul is deeply grieved to the point of death. Remain here and keep watch with me. That's important. Let's go to the next one. The other one the Lord showed me was the psalmist in Psalm 42. These things I remember, and I pour out my soul within me, for I used to go along with the throng and lead them in procession in the house of God. This is why this passage meant so much to me. Man, Lord, I used to be in the middle of the worship service, man, being right there in the middle, shouting and praising God, full of the joy of the Lord. Then it goes on. With a voice of joy and thanksgiving, a multitude-keeping festival. And then he goes, why are you in despair, O my soul? Why have you become disturbed within me? Hope in God, for I sh again shall praise him for the help of his presence. Oh, my God, my soul is in despair within me. That's depression. My soul is, is in depression within me. Let's go on. Elijah. After he confronts the prophets of Baal in, in 1 Kings 19, notice this, be himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down on a juniper tree and he requested for himself that he might die and said, it is enough now. Oh, Lord, take my life for I'm not better than my father's. And he lay down and slept under a juniper tree. What is one of the characteristics of depression? Sleep. Just sort of sleeping things away. In verse 11 of the same chapter is a whole other description when the Lord says, what are you doing here? What are you doing here, Elijah? And I know God didn't say it smart and didn't say it condescending. And Elijah throws some other lines that you knew that what he was experiencing at this time was a form of depression. So Jesus, the psalmist, Elijah. Let's get one more. Jeremiah. In Lamentations chapter 3. I have become a laughingstock to all my people. They're mocking song all the day. He has filled me with bitterness. He has made me drunk with wormwood. He has broken my teeth with gravel. He has made me cower in the dust. My soul has rejected peace. I have forgotten happiness. So I say my strength has perished. And so is my hope from the Lord. So I'm going, God, maybe I'm not weird. <laughs> then I found out that 
that at any point in time, 6%, close to 7% of the population are experiencing major depression at any point in time. So we're in a, we're in a couple room of a couple hundred people, so six, there's at least 12 of us in this room probably right now experiencing some form of depression. 20% of people will experience major depression at some point in time in their lifetime. So that means 40 of us in this room at some point in time in our lifetime will experience major depression. I want to say this to you, you're not weird. You're not weird. And that's one of the weird things that, that God has started doing in my heart, that when I started going in this, started realizing what was going on, I started, I realized, I, I called Mark Akers and I said, I know Mark had went through a time of depression. I go, Mark, man, you need to forgive me for being so, my paraphrase is, so religious, so unknowing, uncaring to understand what's going on. Mark, forgive me, or, or, or Leah and Mitch when they lost Nehemiah and the weight of it or, or whatever. When Mitch, not probably a year ago, he was, he was in a form of depression when his back was hurt. Uh, you know, there was a season in that where he's laid up in his bed. I ain't sure his back was bothering him, but his, his spirit was laid in bed too. So it was there. So, you know, I just want to say, first thing is, it's time for the church of Jesus Christ to go, you know, it's getting a real world, y'all. Because uh, let's deal. Let's just understand some of the things that go on. And it's, it's uh, understandable. And that's what God started been doing in my life. Also, the other thing before we go on any further, you see in your notes, is it's important for us to understand there's more than one type of depression. There's physical depression. There's spiritual depression. There's soulless depression. In other words, there's times and things and circumstances where you see a sickness or injury or hormonal imbalance or condition causing emotion of depression. Postpartum depression. Women having a baby, I think what it is, I think, what is it, one in five women who have babies can experience major depression after having a baby? That's physical. It's physical. It's not spiritual. It's not soulish. They don't need to get saved. They don't need to repent. It's something going in their physical body that's putting off in it. And there are people that experience depression where it's, it's, a, it's a hormonal thing. It's a physical thing. Because Think about it, y'all. You've got sore throats. You, what do you do if you have a, a strep throat? You take an antibiotic. That's a, that's a, you know, it's a gland in your, your tonsils, right? Or I guess I'm saying that right. Somebody help me. Something down there hurts. <laughs> and so, you know, uh, so you, you take some antibiotics. What about your brain is an organ too? What happens when it gets messed up? It just problem is with it. It controls everything about you. And so you have these physical emotions, and it's physical. There's, there are spiritual, there is a spiritual depression. There, are, there, there, there is. But what God was doing with me, what, what not God was doing with me, but what was occurring with me is what I call soulish depression. That which is going on, something that's going on affecting your heart and your mind. Your heart deals with your programming. You know, we've been in dwelling place enough. And your mind directs the flow of information coming into your being, whether it's from the, from the flesh or the spirit or from the, from the world or from heaven or whether it's a truth or a lie. Your conscious mind deals with that. And see, what happens is when somebody deals with a physical depression or something like that, their mind does not have the capability to direct the flow of information. 
you know, then you pray, then you're believing God for physical healing. But it is important for us to understand as, you're, as somebody's in those places that we understand how to operate and how to respond. And so realize that there's these types of depression and don't oh, and we the church should not over-spiritualize situations, y'all. Be tricked to, quick to cast something out or, or quick to, to offer to them that there may be some kind of stronghold occurring in their life. Best thing that we can do, and we'll talk about it in a few minutes, is to shut up and be there. And I'll, I'll describe that in a few minutes. Because when we talk about soulish depression, that there is a really major overarching cause of it. And it's literally what you'll notice in your notes there, the loss of hope. But notice in this passage in, Jer in with Lamentations chapter 3 with Jeremiah, He's in this place of depression. There's an important thing you think there and catch how it works. I have become a laughingstock. Down to the last verse. I don't need to read the whole thing again. And notice it says, so I say, my strength has perished. And so has my hope from the Lord. Hope. What is hope? Hope is the object of your faith. It's the plug-in, like that wall over there. And just imagine this. Is that y'all who've been to a needs seminar and needs book, y'all? Somebody wrote a needs book. <laughs> I can't tell you how many times I've dealt with issues and all of a sudden, well, yeah, and, and there's this, these truths about needs and such and such. Yeah, it's in, And God goes, yeah, you wrote that. It's a page number. You need to go read it. But imagine this. You know, so they all see me do this illustration for me. Remind you again, your heart is made in a way that where you're going to plug into something. You have to plug in to fulfill needs. Now, there's physical needs, there's spiritual needs, but what I'm talking about here are soulish needs, needs of love, identity, acceptance, worth, intimacy, purpose, security. Need to be needed, needed in forgiveness. And so you're looking to plug in someplace to know that you have, a, you have love. Just in the same way if a physical need is cut off, that somebody will recognize they have a need. They'll go to fear, they'll go to panic, they'll die if they don't get something to drink. But if there's no place in fullness of love, what somebody will do is they'll recognize they have a need of love. And they'll look to plug in somewhere. I cannot tell you how many young, young women that I've ministered to that where they came addicted to sex and they told me, they says, I cannot tell you how many times that I just gave myself physically to a man just to have them hold them, hold me and say something to me. What are they doing? There's a need of love. They become so hungry, so thirsty. They're willing to drink from a mud puddle. And you know you would drink from a mud puddle if you became thirsty enough. You may, you may eat food from the McDonald's dumpster if you had no food and you became hungry enough. And so what happens is when you are in a, when a person like myself would experience depression, what happens is you have the inability to plug in to a source. Why does drug addiction, why does alcohol addiction come? Because when you're in this place, you can't plug into some place. You know what it does? It hurts. The sad story that I heard of, of mothers with children in South America, one of the major issues they deal with, addiction issues down in South America, are kids dealing with addicted to glue. Well, you know what the source of the addiction is? When the kids were young, the parents would not have enough money to feed them. So the, well, you know what they would do? They'd let the kids sniff the glue. Because what would it do? It would sedate the pain and they wouldn't cry. 
Y'all better remember that when, when we would uh, go to Macedonia, you remember y'all that would go to Macedonia with you and the bridge from, from, uh, from the, the Orthodox side to the Muslim side? Usually you would find a gypsy little baby laying on a piece of cardboard in the middle of the bridge hoping that people would throw money on it. And this baby just laying there. baby's probably eight or nine months old. And, he, and you'd be there going back and forth all day long. And here's this baby laying there. You knew it was alive, but what happened? How would it lay there? That baby had been drugged, sedated, that it couldn't recognize the need that it had to be held to have food. But in this place, well, when there's no place to plug into, you're not, something is hindering your heart, shutting your heart's ability down to plug in to the Lord. It's affecting your mind, and things are distracting your mind. And so really, literally, it's this place is a pretty traumatic place. How people plug into other things, relationships, draw, dr drugs, <laughs> Jobs, drugs is not a place you plug into, it's the dates. Um, jobs, money, whatever. Because, you know, the only thing that fulfills a need is Jesus. But in this place, at some point in time, that need will be manifested. And so really, literally, when I say the root cause of soulish depression is somebody's inability to plug into Jesus. You know, hey, Rick, well, you were ministering the gospel. How is it that you were dealing with so much depression? Well, that's a good question. That's why if you notice the next statement there, the causes of spiritual depression, what would be the things that would hinder me, my heart from plugging in? Well, the first cause that you notice there is the cause of traumatic event, go to, the, to traumas of life. How many times have you heard the statistics of parents who... who who had lost a child in the tra trauma of losing a child. And, and I, I can't remember the, the rate of divorce in the parents who lose a child. Why? The traumatic event hinders their hearts from plugging in to a source. Plugging into the Lord. Doubts and fears. One couple who, who I knew well back in their college days. The, the mother had, was walking with another mother down the street and, and they had, they had a two, three strollers or two strollers somehow. Another had the one. The, my friend's wife had. They had two kids, and they were in strollers. And another mother had a stroller. So they pushed the stroller up into the front of a, the drugstore. And my friend's wife goes in to goes in to get something. And the other mother stayed out with the children. And all of a sudden, there was this elderly lady out in the parking lot, and she lost control of the car. Instead of mashing the brake, she mashed the gas. So all of a sudden, her car goes screaming toward the front door. The mother sees it. She's able to grab one, one uh, two of the babies, and the other baby there, the mother has her baby gets crushed to the car. Well, the theology that she was raised in, that God is in control. Predestination, God caused it. Well, God did something. He's trying to teach you something. What? And she sit there and had to hold her baby die? Come on. Well, tell me. How could that woman plug in to the presence of God? Especially just in the trauma of an event. You know, uh, you know, last year, Dad died. And I, you know, I just, you know, that's cool. That's cool. You know, I mean, be absent from my present Lord. Dad lived a full life, and y'all were such a blessing to him here. But you know, don't underestimate 
how those things can affect your soul. Especially when you mix it in with a whole bunch of other things. That's why it's important for the body of Christ to understand and not be religious and uncaring. Traumas of life, whether it's death or sickness or, or whatever it may be, it, the result, end result that the, later on can be an effect of, of depression. That's what was happening with Jeremiah. Second, second cause of depression, soulless depression, is what we call worry or anxiety. And you'll notice it's from the Greek word for merismos, worry and anxiety. Both it depends on, it gets translated different, different ways, worry and anxiety, but the same Greek word, merismos, literally means divided thoughts. And, and it was what happened to Jesus in the garden. Here he is getting ready to be hammered with so many different things coming in his way. I mean, I mean, everything in the world all of a sudden coming at him at one time. And so it hits him. And notice that passage in Luke 8. These are the ones who have heard and they go on their way and they're choked out with the worries and the riches and the pleasures of this life and bring no fruit to maturity. Well, you bring no fruit to maturity. Oh, that's a, if you're not careful, you'll let that just sort of brush aside. In other words, the worries of this world can hinder your heart and your mind from focusing on the word of God. Y'all, oh, when Dad died, I, you know, we had a lot of the business dealings that he and I did. We just sort of parked. Then all of a sudden, when he died, all of a sudden, I had massive business decisions to deal with automatically, instantly. Three un right now, I own three businesses in three different states. And, you know, I talked about it before how I had six tax returns to deal with. Well, that's, that's increased in present time. And so, all of a sudden, in my world became very, very complex. Not only were, was I... Was I involved in ministry with you and walking with you and the things that you were dealing with in your worlds and your life? But guess what? Come and live in my world too. Not only business, ministry, internships, you know, traveling overseas, men, from, men and pastors coming from overseas. Rick, can we come and stay with you and Paula? And that's why when Joseph called, I mean, he I mean, um, when uh, Craig texted me, he said, can you go, Joseph, come. The thought of me having to help another person was more than I could handle. I checked out. I could not handle it. And so worries and anxieties can be a source of depression because what happens is you don't have the capacity to handle what's going on. And so, you know, not everybody has a Tulio to help you stand and hold things together. The third way thing that can affect depression your soul and depression are lies. Now, you got to realize how, you know, y'all, you know, about emotions here in Dwelling Place. Emotions are a signal of an event. Come here, Mitch. Um, those keys. So hold your hand out, Mitch. Turn and face them down. Okay. So, so it's Mitch's hand. So I'm going to take one of these keys, find a sharp one here. <laughs> so, so, so I'm sticking the, the sharp point of this key into Mitch's hand. It hurt a little bit? Not much. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, okay, Mitch, so he can feel it. Is that good or bad? It's good. He can feel it. It's bad that I'm doing it, but it's good that he can feel it. Depression is not a bad thing to feel. Depression's not bad. Depression's not the problem. You know, I went to, I went, 
Don't go anywhere yet. <laughs> Got a hole in his hand. <laughs> um, yeah, I, you know, I took a physical during this season, you know, and, you know, just take a physical. Make sure everything's cool. You know, he said it's cool, you know. But, but you know, I told him, I said, I've been dealing with depression. You know, he wanted to put me on medicine. I said, nah, I don't need that. That's not what, what's going on in my life, you know, in any way. But what we got to realize is, it's just like Mitch's hand here, me putting this, pushing this key into it. Imagine this key would represent a life. And remember, let his hand represent your heart. Not the organ. But, but I don't want to stop here. Think about how crazy it is that God even created your organs with the ability to feel. Or else, how would you know you're sick? How would you know that you got a broken leg? if you did not have the capacity to feel. Good emotions and bad emotions are good. Because why? They're signaling something. And like in the book I wrote on emotions, there's an important thing is, emotions are signaling events. The important thing is there's always two questions. What's being signaled? How do you respond? And so, guess what? There was a lie being pressed down, not a lie, there were lies being pressed down into my heart that that I had allowed to sit in there. But God in his mercy has allowed lies to, lies to, you to feel the lies sitting in your heart. Because if you did not have the capacity to feel the lies sitting in your heart, you would not deal with it and get rid of it so you could find what? Freedom and love and joy and peace. Thanks, man. And so when, man, you know, that's sort of like, here in this passage in 1 Kings, Jeremiah, I mean, I, uh, Elijah is dealing with depression. You know the root of his depression? Notice what it says. He says, it's enough now, Lord. Take my life. I am not better than my father's. He lay down and slept under the juniper tree. And behold, there's an angel touching him. And he said to me, right, oops, I missed the part. I cut it off. But he said, you know, I'm not good enough. I'm no good. I'm no better than my father's. And then later on in verse 11, he said, you know, I alone am left. I'm the only one that's left. All the prophets have died. And you know what? Some of the lies that I would believe in, Rick, you're a failure. And you can imagine this. All of a sudden, you know, I want to make sure I honor Dad and the things that he and I had done business with and that we'd sort of part. And I just, I believe, you know, I want to honor him. My intensity in my heart was to honor him. But inside my heart, I believed I was a failure. I let, there was a thing that I had to wrestle with, that I was wrestling with. And, and it was almost feeling like in Matthew chapter 4 where Satan took Jesus and he said, if you're, if you're a son of God, turn these stones to bread. If you're successful, Rick, prove it. If you're a man of God, prove it. And so guess what you can do? You can start trying to turn stones to bread, but you can never turn enough stones to bread to prove anything, y'all. Never. But praise God, you don't have to turn stones to So I had to deal with those lies in my heart that were sitting in there. I had to deal with the worries and anxiety. But not the cool thing was, y'all, I didn't have to deal with them alone. In fact, God gave this passage. It's back in Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 6.
God who what? Comforts the depressed. Oh, Jesus. Thank you for your goodness. I'll never forget Ron McCall and John McDermott. I was over in that room over there one day. I was going to have surgery. I was having surgery on my throat where I was running my mouth the wrong way and it had a, a callus on my vocal cord. So I couldn't talk. Y'all probably remember at that time I couldn't talk. And that's the time I'll never forget Tammy and I were ministering to somebody in the nursing mother's room and they'd come in from out of state for ministry. I mean, they had planned it for months in advance and here I am, they come in a time that I couldn't talk. And so we're in there ministering. I'm try I would write in between. But anyway, we started the session out. I think it was you and Terry and I, wasn't it? And so I said, we're going to, I wrote out, said, we're going to share our testimony so that the person would know that we're not weird and also that they would understand what was going on. So I wrote on a note, I don't know what this got to do with anything what I'm sharing, but it doesn't. But anyway, I'll never forget, I wrote Tammy, said, Tammy's going to share my testimony. <laughs> so she did. I don't know, what's that got to do with anything? I don't know. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, but I was in that room. During that time, before that, during that time, when I had that surgery, and they, they started praying for me. And for some reason, they kept praying, comfort, comfort, comfort. Well, y'all, my definition of my mind is comfort. If you're hurting, you'd take an aspirin, right? You got hurt, pain, that comfort. That's comfort. But when they prayed it that day, I'm going, huh? What's comfort? What's comfort? And automatically, you know, 2 Corinthians 1, 3, and 4 came to my mind, you know? God, blessed be the God and Father of Lord Jesus Christ, Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction. And I said, I said and I couldn't wait almost for them to leave because I got to go, okay, I want to look this up. And the Greek word is that Greek word right there, paraklesis, meaning called alongside. God comforts the depressed. I don't know, you, I wish I had our ability to draw this, but can you imagine like this whole stage area is a pit? And a lot of times when people are in depression, you just feel like you're in a pit. And what happens is in the religious circles, what we have a tendency to do is, is that we want to get up here and we go, and you look at the people in the pit and you go, now come on, Rick, get it together. Come on, get out. In fact, it was so weird. I had lunch with a brother during this time and right after that, God spoke to me about the depression deal. And I have lunch, lunch with him, and he, you know, he says, well, how you doing, Rick? And I'm just going to sit there and lie to him, you know. Oh, I'm wonderful. <laughs> no, so I just told him, just shared with him real quick what, you know, what had been, God had showed me and transpired, and he changed the subject. Because you can see him short-circuiting. It's going like, wait a minute, Rick, you're not supposed to be depressed. In fact, it was crazy. And a lot of the people around me, they didn't know what to do with me. It's called weirdness to break out. What are you doing depressed? I don't know at that time. But see, what happens is you're down here, and the crazy thing about God, y'all, he comforts the depressed. You know what he does? He gets in the pit with you. You hear that? He gets in the pit with you. Doesn't mean he starts to wallow in the same thing or that you're in, but he gets in the pit with you. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. He didn't stay in heaven and say, all right, boys, I'm going to make a way for you to get redeemed and so that you can just come out here. You know what? He left there and he emptied himself and he came among us. Praise God. 
stomach. That is, that is the coolness of coolness. Because you know what? That was the thing that brought healing into my life. God in the midst of the pit with me. I said, okay, Rick. First thing is not, y'all, I want to fix you. I don't want to fix you. I don't want to fix you. You know what? Too many times in the body of Christ, somebody's hurting. We want to fix them so, we can, so they don't want to embarrass us. I apologize if me dealing with a, a major leader in this church has dealt with depression, and now you know I'm sitting here having to teach about it. I'm sorry if it causes you depression in the community. But, you know, the cool thing is, is that Jesus gets in the pit with us. He says, I'm not ashamed to call you my brother. He's a, he comforts the depressed. Well, how does he comfort? And what I call you, notice in your notes, there's those two parts to comfort. And it's what God done in my life. And this is not a, there's not a formula in this, except that I just want to say to you real quick, and then we'll go on. He's in the pit with you. Whatever you're going through, it may not be depression. Whatever it is, he's with you. He says he comforts us. He comforts us. Look at this. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the fathers of mercy, God of all comfort, all comfort, all comfort. And I'll explain that in a few minutes. But it's interesting it says the God of all comfort. Who comforts us in what? All our afflictions. Literally the Greek word there is for tribulations and all the things that the world wants to press on you. Tribulation comes from this world. Jesus says in John 16, 33, in this world you will have tribulation. It literally means to squeeze, press. Everybody in this room, everyone in this room has experienced it in some way, shape, or form. You experience tribulation. God says, I'm with you in the tribulation. Many times we get frustrated because God, you think that God's not getting you out. God is with you. Just like, you know, I, that, that, that morning with that Tim's house, I said, okay, Lord, I know what I need to do. I had to deal with this depression. He says, no, you're not. Because why? Me walking in the situation was a whole lot more important to what's going on in my life that him just instantly healed me of the depression. Because the depression was not, was not, well, it was something of lies that I had bit into, worries that I had entertained. And y'all, the traumas of watching loved ones die, all of a sudden now I'm the only one in my family alive now. And all the thoughts of weirdness about how that would come about. Bud's dead, mom's dead, dad's dead. And weirdness about that. It would come out. You know? And God just go, Rick, I just want to be with you. I just want to be with you. Slow down. Just quit the microwave Christianity, Rick. Paraphrase. Just let me walk with you. And so, so he comforts. Yeah. But here's the crazy other thing about it. Go, go on to the next slide, please. This passage here. This is his promise. After you have suffered a little while. 
the God of all grace, who called you to eternal glory in Christ. I love this. Will himself, that is a really cool promise to me, will himself perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. That is a promise. And I bear witness today, y'all, God himself has come to me and has comforted me. Healed my heart. And, you know, like Paula was praying for me just a few minutes ago before we stepped into this. You know, God, thank you for what you've done in Rick's life. And so, you know, it was really, it's been really cool. But here's a really other interesting thing to me about this. Go to the next slide. How does God comfort? Now watch this. Who comforts us, and I'm starting in the middle of the verse, who comforts us in all our afflictions so that we may be able to do what? Comfort others. Notice this not. Go to the next slide. But God who comforts the depressed comforted us by the coming of Titus. The comfort of God was expressed in flesh and blood. I want to read something to you. It's a joke. I'm not going to tell it, but because if I did, I would forget the punchline. So I'm going to read a joke to you. It's not really a joke. It sort of is. I think, well, it's not a funny thing. Y'all tell me what it is when we get through. <laughs> and y'all probably heard this story before, too. A man was trapped in his house during the flood. Y'all heard the story? But I want to go through it. Don't spoil it. You've heard it. He began praying to God to rescue him. He had a vision in his head of God's hand reaching down from heaven and lifting to safety. The water started to rise in his house, and a neighbor urged him to leave and offered him a ride to safety. The man yelled back, I'm waiting for God to save me. The neighbor dropped off in his pickup truck. The man continued to pray and hold on to his vision. As the water began to rising in his house, he had to climb up on the roof. A boat came by with some people heading for safe ground. They yelled to the man to grab the rope and they'll throw you and pull you to safety. And he told them he was waiting for God to save him. And he shook their, they shook their heads and moved on. The man continued to pray, believing with all his heart that he would be saved. The floodwaters continued to rise, and a helicopter flew by when a voice came over the loudspeaker and offered a ladder to take him to the roof. And the man waved the helicopter away, saying, he's waiting on God to save him. The helicopter left. The man drowned. When he reached heaven and asked God, why did you not save me? I believed in you with all my heart. Why did you let me down? God replied, I sent a pickup truck, boat, and helicopter. Is it a joke? <laughs> well, the reality was this conviction, though. God sent those things. God comforts the depressed. And I, you know, I thought back in this. God would send certain people like Sean over here on my birthday. He said, Sizemore, I want to do something. I want to give a birthday present. So what do you want? And you know the birthday present Hash gave me? 
says, come on, let's go walk. We, he and I went walking in the woods in, these, this, in this property we had on a beautiful fall day, which was a memory. That was comfort of God for my soul. That was comfort. Or Philip and Heather, not too long ago, just on a night, just called and said, Rick, come over. Apollo was gone, and come on over and eat supper with us. I mean, I mean, we want to go out to eat. Just to go out with them, just the fact that they would call me and ask me to go out with them, just ministered to my soul. Or not too long ago, Robbie Maddox, who knew that, you know, things had been transpiring and stuff weird. Robbie, Robbie, when we were talking about what God was doing, all Robbie did was cry. All he did was cry. And you know, I can't tell you what it did to my soul when all Robbie did was just cry. Because his heart, he was feeling for me. Robbie knows enough ministry, he could have tried to fix me. But his heart was feeling for me. For what I was feeling and hurting and how it would hurt me. That's comfort. And that's why I say to y'all, God, forgive me all the times if, as a leader in this church, if you were hurting, I tried to fix you. Instead of just maybe standing alongside you. Like maybe James and Laura. You know, maybe to try to impart truth. And the reality was they didn't need our mouths to impart truth. They just needed us to stand with them and love them. I could go around this room. Every one of you at some point in time, you've been in some kind of situation and circumstance. And the most important thing you know is God is your God of comfort. And two is he's sending boats, he's sending helicopters, he's sending stuff, <laughs> sending those. Two with you. You know, some of the biggest to me, I started to bring it this morning. Is Kenzie here? Is Kenzie here? Kenzie, come on up here. Huh? I got, I got, I got a, in my, in my desk in my office, I've got papers, two or three papers that Kenzie Simonis, when she was this big, wrote me. Oh, she's just a child writing child art. But in the th I still have them because why? Those things that she wrote me and gave me were at a moment that I believe with all my heart God was doing what? Comforting me. You can still write notes. <laughs> the God of all comfort. But here's an important thing, y'all. God himself comforts. The comfort of those brothers and sisters, one's called alongside. But y'all, there's a part that's very, very important for us to catch. Go to the next slide, please. Who comforts in all us in all our afflictions so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction. Watch this. With which, with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted are comforted. The interesting thing about that Greek word there, comforted, it's a passive tense verb. In other words, it's a place of you receiving it. Now, you know, I cannot tell you how, how many times the temptation would be just to refuse the comfort. 
use Paula's comfort. You know, compute a, a, a comfort of a friend or a, or a sister or, or, or a child or, or just a sunset or, or what. And it's because you, you can get stubborn in, in that place of hurting. It's not a familiar spirit. And so there's a place, this is not a statement of, this is not a statement of condemnation, please. Don't go there. Because sometimes you, if there's a lie stuck in your heart, you don't, it's, it's virtually impossible for you to grab the truth. If your heart's broken, it's virtually impossible for you to grab the truth. So this is why I go back to what I said in the beginning. It's something you don't rush. You just rest in the love of God. That's when default in these places. Don't go anyplace else. But God's loving kindness and God's faithfulness. Don't go nowhere. It's like, there's nothing else but God but that. Why do we make it more? But to receive comfort. And notice what Jeremiah did here in Jeremiah 3.21 where he talks about in you know, 16 through 20 through 20. He talks about his soul has rejected peace. But notice this. This I recall to mind. Therefore I have hope. For God's, the Lord's loving kindnesses indeed never cease, for his compassions never fail. For they are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion. Therefore, I have hope. In other words, guess what? So what he did was, he goes, okay, God, I receive your comfort. Okay, I'm plugging in, God. Plugging in. I remember one time that when I made an unwise investment, and we had to, and lost $50,000, and because of it, we had to move out of the house that we were in, and that guilt and condemnation just really was tearing me up, and that was a form of depression I was dealing with. Every morning I got up, I had to confess the Word of God into my life. Second Corinthians one twenty was my drug of choice that morning, every morning in that season, which says, He always leads me in triumph. So every morning I would go, Okay, Lord! You always leave me in triumph. When I'd get out of bed, I'd be lowering the snail's belly. And by the time I get in the shower and I'm confessing and I get out of the shower, okay, God, yeah, Whew, okay, let's go. Because you, you're going, okay. Now, this is when it's just the focus of the mind, okay? And your heart's healed. This is after your heart's been healed or whatever else is going on. But, but you start to receive the comfort of God. You're receiving his comfort by declaring his loving kindness. Sometime, y'all... You just declare it in faith. You ain't feeling it. You ain't seeing it. None of the circumstances around you do not line up. Like we mentioned Leah, maybe lost. when uh, Not lost. He's found. When Nehemiah went to be with Jesus, you know, I don't care how you shape it. Or when, when James and Laura, you know, went through the, the, the pains that they had, I don't care how you shape it. It hurts. It's real, and it don't go away quick. But to confess the truth of God in the midst of the pain, therefore I have hope. And I know that's what's so beautiful to see them standing in faith, and, and probably, not probably, I know it is, deeper and more in love with God now than ever before. That's a testimony of the men and, man and woman of God that they are, and I know that's true for Mitch and Lee also. Right, bless y'all. So, you start to receive God's comfort by declaring his nature and character into your life, plugging into the Lord. God, everything in me don't want to go here, God. But I plug into you, God. I declare your loving kindnesses. 
your paths for me are loving kindness and truth. The paths that you have for me today are God of loving kindness. God, you continually preserve me with loving kindness and compassion. Surely goodness and loving kindness follow me all the days of life. Because, Lord, if I stop, I'm going to hit loving kindness. Well, there we are. Yeah. You're there. You're chasing me with the goodness and loving kindness. And why? Because what happens, I have to start to recognize the loving kindness kisses of God. All the interns, when we go overseas, we'd always have fun, always saying, okay, let's look for the kisses of God, the loving kindness kisses of God. Y'all remember those? We look for them. Where's the kisses? And I do that. Look, in everyday life, we look for the kisses of God. Look for his loving kindness. It'll come weird. I think I told you the time I was standing on the, on the roof in Belle Glade, Florida. After one, our building there got destroyed by a hurricane. I mean, it's wiped out. I'm standing up on the building looking around. And all I'm seeing is destruction all around me. That building had gotten wiped out. The roof had peeled back like a can opener, like a sardine can. And then inside all these content. I mean, we just literally had to gut the building. But I'm standing up there looking at all the damage. I'm hearing sirens all around me. And I'm going, God, where are you at? Where are Sorry, bad grammar. Where are you, God? And I'll never forget, I looked over and on a, a, a satellite dish that was on top of the building had gotten peeled back, and on top of the satellite dish, there was a bird. And it was just being a bird. Hurricane didn't bother him. And he was just, and all of a sudden, I just saw in that bird the goodness of God. And that's what, Go to the next slide where you receive and you start to recognize that I would have despaired unless I had believed I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. He, I believe this with all my heart. You look for his loving kindness, you look for the kisses of God, you will never be disappointed. He's always sending them in some way, shape, or form. Like, Hiding Easter eggs for for five-year-olds or two-year-olds. <laughs> it's so obvious to everybody else. But there it is. Oh, okay, God. Thank you for that kiss, the loving kindness of God. That's from you. And here's an exciting one to me. Notice this passage in John chapter 16. Jesus said this, he was going to leave and told his disciples, I will ask the Father, and the New American Standard says helper. Remember I said the Greek word for comfort was the Greek word paraklesis? For I ask the Father, he will give you another helper. Guess what the Greek word there is? Parakletos. Same Greek, same Greek word. One's a verb, I mean one's a, a max, masculine form, one's in, uh, in feminine form. And uh, says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper that he may be with you forever. But go on. That is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him. But you know him because he abides with you, but he will be in you. I want to declare this over you. Comfort is in you. 
biggest thing is for us to allow God to walk with us in whatever circumstance or situation is hindering our hearts and our minds from embracing the realities of the spiritual realm. That is where our God is. That's why it says in Colossians chapter 3, I have died and my life is hidden with Christ in God. And it says right before it, set your mind on things above where Christ is seated. Y'all, I'm 60 years old. I am 60 years old. Hallelujah. And I am convinced now more than anything of the things that, of, that our God is real. I have had privileges and opportunities to do many different things and experience many different things. But I'm just convinced of this, that, uh, that our God is real. And his comfort is real. Now what Satan will try to do is to try to allow the situations in the world or in your flesh to rise up and try to be louder than the voice of your God or the signals of his love. But I just say, peace, peace. Okay, so I just wanted to share real quick. Um, back years ago, calm my spirit, please. <laughs> um, we were living in a trailer down on Craig's Creek. Um, it was my, my grandmother's trailer. And um, back when I was younger, um, I fought with depression. And I entertained suicide, the thought of it. And it kind of has followed me a little throughout my life. And you know, thoughts will come back every once in a while. And I fight it. I haven't in a while. I've gotten to where I've I recognize it a lot quicker now, and I'm, I'm able to, to break through stuff. Um, that day, he would shake it, and it was just very heavy and very dark. And I remember I got in the shower, like I was trying to wash it away, and it wouldn't go away. It was so heavy. And I was crying, and I got out of the shower, and I just went and laid on the bed, still just crying. The heaviness. I was like, it was like it was just pushing me into the mattress. It was so heavy. And my husband came back to the bedroom and he just looked at me and then he laid across me. And it lifted. I mean, it's just the true meaning of like being under your covering. He covered me and it lifted. And maybe. That person should have spoken through it and spoken into him. Maybe that was, he needed that covering for just a minute. You know, you never know when God's going to use you. Just don't be afraid to, to cover somebody for just a little bit and give them the time to breathe. Just really interesting. I just feel like we're getting, we're kind of in this place that we. It's kind of the picture that Rick was sharing that you can be the place of being louder than the 
you know, enemy in people's lives. The comfort of God is when you come and Tony was louder than what Rachel was going through. That's what we're trying to be. We're trying to be a voice, a declaration, something louder than what the people around, you know, they're going through. And sometimes that's a hug. Sometimes that's just crying with somebody. Sometimes it's uh, being able to speak life and truth when maybe somebody else can't see or able to reach for that truth. Maybe it's trying to help take that hand and, and help you plug into God. You don't have the strength to get it up there. Um, it's kind of interesting, Carmen. Uh, I can't get this here. I'll go back. Uh, Carmen was just really hearing that sometimes she was. People were thinking, "I don't deserve the comfort of God because I'm in this situation because of my own choices." And so, somebody needs to be louder than that in your life. And that's, of course, the enemy is always trying to get us to isolate and be by ourselves. I mean, I, when uh, when we were going through that situation with uh, when my back. I was down with my back, and then my uh, my legs started messing up. So, for me, comf physical comfort was only really came when I just laid down. I had to sit there and lay down for a lot. Which, if y'all know me, that's that's called insanity for me, because <laughs> I don't like to be down. I don't like to be stopped, and I like to keep moving. But um, in that place, I mean, it was hard because you know, all of a sudden you. you you start thinking, for me, I was like, man, am I ever going to walk again or truly walk again? Am I ever going to really get out of this to be where I want to be in this place? And, and so you start taking on those lives. You start taking on those things. And so I just feel like we're in a situation this morning where we can stand alongside. Anybody want to practice some paracletios? I don't, is that right? <laughs> I don't know. Paracletios. <laughs> uh, you know, Rick mentioned that. I went through bouts of depression. One of them was about three years ago. With uh, my, I celebrated my grandson's third birthday this past weekend. It's a great time. But three years ago, I couldn't even touch him because I had dealt with MRSA for five months. And uh, I had four operations in three months trying to get rid of it. I remember how lonely I got. I mean, it was really tremendously lonely. Nobody wants to come visit me. Now you won't get MRSA. I had to try to tell some people, yeah, you can't get it through the phone, you know. <laughs> Just give me a call, you know. <laughs> Just give me a call. But I remember what broke for me. I mean, I was getting depressed. I never, suicide's never been a problem, issue for me. I did think I was going to die one week. It was after the fourth surgery, and I couldn't hardly get off the couch. And what happened is uh, Jim Evil, he called and said, let me come and visit you. Now, if there's anybody who can't afford to get around MRSA, it's Jimmy. Stay away from infection. I can't remember one thing Jim said to me, but I remember him sitting right there in his wheelchair, talking to me, just hearing me. <laughs> he listened to me. And I said something really dumb to Jim. I said, I just want to walk again. <laughs> I said to Jim, and I said, Jim, I'm sorry. He said, no, Mark, I understand. And sure enough, he's one of the only ones that could understand where I was at right now because I couldn't hardly get up. Your presence is worth more than anything. You know, it's not like you have to have all the answers. 
You don't have to have the answers. It's your presence to say, um, you weep with those who weep. You mourn with them. You know, you don't leave them alone. Now, the Lord really, I mean, he kept me. I thank Jesus. I mean, you know, I was struggling with depression, but I never lost hope because I know I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And I held on to that verse every day. Every day. I can do all things. I am not going to let this thing beat me. You know, I'm not, I'm not going to die from MRSA. I'm going to claim Jesus. He is my healer. He's my healer. It seemed like the doctors couldn't have do it, so <laughs> Jesus, please come through, you know. But I just want to say this. You know, don't get to a point where you're sitting there saying, I just don't want to say to them. Who says you got to say anything to them? Who says you got to fix their problems? But you can walk with them in the midst of their problems. Don't leave them alone. Amen. So I'm going to stand. feel like we need we there's some people in here that obviously the message was for you because you know that you've been struggling in that area like whether it's maybe it's you know been a, a, a day maybe it's been a week maybe it's been a month maybe it's been years and and um and i just feel like we need um we're going to practice some some comfort uh, pericle detox there you go saying that right but so i just want to i just want to invite if if you've been struggling with Depression. I just want you to raise your hand, and we're gonna and we're gonna thank you for everybody. Got just keep your hands up just for a second, not not to uh, not to embarrass you. But we just need thank you. All right, keep them up. What I want you to do is, if you see a hand up, I'm, I need you to go, and I want you to just surround them for a second. And the first thing we're gonna do this morning is we're gonna ask the Holy Spirit to come and comfort, because God. God ultimately is the comfort. You're gonna keep your hands up if you are. Make sure, make sure you get to some if, if they're there. Anybody else? I don't want to leave you out. So let's just believe for for these men and women right now. So Lord, we just want to pray, Holy Spirit comfort. God, you are the comforter. Lord, you know them better than anyone else. So, Lord, Lord, right now, we come alongside them just declaring Holy Spirit comfort. Holy Spirit, come and comfort. Comfort them, and Lord, wherever they're at, wherever they're dealing with. Maybe it's been a day. Maybe it's been weeks. Maybe it's been years. So, Lord, we, we just want to stand alongside. Lord, we want to speak the the yes and amen to you, Holy Spirit, the things that you're doing in them and among them. So, Lord, we just pray right now, Holy Spirit, comfort. Holy Spirit, comfort. Lord God, we just speak in the name of Jesus, your love. Lord, nothing will ever separate us from your love. You've loved us with an everlasting love. Therefore, you have drawn us to you with loving kindness. Lord, I speak those of us, Lord, who are 
are lacking revelations of love, Lord, do we cast out all fear. I speak, Lord, hearts hear your love. Lord, declarations that we have worth and value in you. Lord, you, you paid the price in it. Lord, you declare how much we are worth to you. You say how much more worth or value than we, that we are to you than many sparrows. Lord, we declare, Lord, to those who feel worthless, Lord. Lord, you declared value over us. Lord, those who, who do not know who we are, Lord, that the, enemy, the lies of the enemy have spoken into us who are dirt or we're trash. Lord God, you declare over us that we're sons, we're daughters. Lord, not sons and daughters to be used or abused or be cast off, but sons or daughters to have an inheritance. Lord God, we speak forgiveness, Lord, for those who, who, Lord, say that they don't deserve it. But Lord God, you say that, Lord, if we confess our sins, you're faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You forgive our iniquities and you remember them no more. And you declare into our souls, Lord, that you who have cleansed, let them no longer consider themselves unholy. So, Lord God, we declare forgiven. We declare over us identity. We declare that you have accepted us in the beloved. Lord, you declare that we have worth. We are loved. We're forgiven. That we have a place in your body. And so, Lord, you declare, Lord, your greatness over us. Lord, I speak to the hearts that are wounded and broken. Lord. The traumas may be hindering their hearts, Lord, from, from embracing the fullness of your loves. So, Lord, I say peace right now. Lord, when the circumstances of this world seem to be louder than that, which is of the greatness of who you are, God, we just declare peace. Cease striving and know that you are God and you will be exalted above the nations. We speak peace hearts to hear. Just at this moment, Lord, just love. And Lord, we're not looking for a quick fix. We're just looking to just walk in the depths of realities of love. So Lord, I just pray, God, as we, as we are laying hands on each of these, as we're maybe giving them an embrace, a hug, Lord, I just pray that they would feel the comfort of God through your people, through your body. Lord, we talked about that even going into the 777. It's so important. Lord, there's protection in the body. There's comfort within the body of Christ as well. So, Lord, we just pray right now, Holy Spirit, comfort with the body of Christ. Lord, as we surround them, as we stand with them. Sometimes when we, it says that when we've done all else, just to stand, just to weep with them, just to encourage with them. Lord, be with them. Lord, whatever that looks like. Um, maybe it's just to... That phone call, like, like Mark said, just a, an encouragement, a note, a text, Lord, whatever that looks like, God. Just pray, God, that you would even begin to put that on our hearts for each one, even as we're standing with them through this week, God, or through this month, through this year, Lord, whatever that might look like. So, Lord, we say the yes and amen to that. Thank you, Lord. I just, want, um, I just feel like we just need to... Yeah, uh, one thing Margie just mentioned that we stuck, I want to seek, uh, say, uh, um, I said that I didn't take medicine, and I didn't. But that may not be true for somebody else, and I just want to speak, if you do need to, that's okay. It's interesting to me that Jesus, before the cross, 
they offered him something to sedate him, and he didn't take it. But that at the point of, it, point of the time just before he died on the cross, he took it what he had re refused because the pain was so great. So, I, I, you know, don't, there's no guilt in taking medicine. I just want to declare that. Is there anything you want to add in that? Some people's bodies don't make enough serotonin, and some people have so much stress they use it all up. And that's physical depression, yeah. Thank you, Mark. One other thing I just want to say. Y'all, please don't equate what I was sharing today as quick fix. Um, please don't. Uh, just, I just want to declare over you the comfort of God, that he's with you. That he's with you. Okay, can we just do something as a body? We're just going to sing this song because... Ultimately, it's God's faithfulness in this whole thing. So, you know, I just realized even when, as we were walking with Rick, you know, there was points and times that I was faithless. You know, maybe I didn't know how to reach out or maybe I didn't reach out enough as I probably wanted to or things like that. But we always have to bank on that God's faithful in this journey. And so can we just sing this over these people that we're praying for? I just want to sing this over. Faithful you are, faithful in this place. So Amy's going to lead us. Let's, we're going to close with this. prayer teams they're going to come up and uh, we're going to close out but we want to just offer again if there's something in your heart that you want to pray about maybe it wasn't certain in relationship to depression maybe it was and you didn't feel comfortable raising your hand i just want you to feel free to come and uh, get some prayer this morning there'll be some men and women up here that after i pray that that will be here so i just want to pray and close this out uh so lord i just thank you can we just uh can you just lay your hand on your heart, Lord? Thank you that this this morning, God, that you've spoken to our hearts, Lord, that you've spoken to each of us how to walk, parakalitas, how to walk alongside. Uh, Lord, it's a process. It's, a, it's, a, it's not a quick fix, but it's a process that we get to participate with you, Holy Spirit. And so, Lord, we just thank you this morning. We bless you. We honor you. And we just release you to do a kingdom work in this area of depression and standing alongside in comfort, God, because that's what we're called to as a body, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. So we just bless this week that we're on, in Jesus' name, amen.